Well, if no one else has this morning, let me be the first to wish you a happy Easter. Again, I will tell you that we are so glad that you're here today because that is the truth we are. Easter is the day that the train's horn blows at the right time. Uh, Easter is the day that as Christians we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For Christians, it's both a day of thanks and celebration because as we talked about last week, the fact that Christ was resurrected means that we too can experience resurrection down the road. Now, I also spoke about how everyone loves a comeback. If you missed that, I talked about how everybody loves a comeback. And, and uh, I even mentioned how Tiger Woods probably wasn't going to come back that week, and then he won, and I got a lot of messages. Thanks a lot for all the... You said he wouldn't do it. Yeah, I know. I said it. I was wrong. It's okay. Um, but everyone does love a comeback. There's just something that's built within us that we love to see somebody, as I said last week, come back from being down. Now, with all of this being said, how do we top last week? Because we talked about the resurrection. We talked about how much it means to us as Christians. So ladies and gentlemen, I present to you today the double comeback. Okay? The double comeback. Now, Today we talk about a prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled. It's the only one we've talked about to this point that hasn't already been fulfilled. And we find it in Jude. Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter in Jude in case you were wondering. So it's just verses 14 and 15 says, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and convict all of them of the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him now Enoch is a very interesting character in the Bible we don't know a lot about him he's mentioned a handful of times in Genesis he's mentioned once in Chronicles once in Luke once in Hebrews and then once here in Jude now even though we know just a little bit about him what we do know about him is pretty extraordinary first and foremost Enoch lived to be 365 years old okay so believe it or not life expectancy has not gotten better Uh, he lived to be 365 years old. Now, what we do know about him, just from the short little bit that we have been taught, is that God looked on Enoch very favorably. He loved Enoch. Enoch pleased him. In fact, Enoch is one of only two people in the Bible, him and Elijah, who did not experience death. God took him directly to heaven. And so I find that aspect interesting. But what's maybe most important is even though we only see a very little bit about him, now he was on the earth for 365 years, so he had a lot of time to do a lot of good things. But even though we don't know a lot about him, one of the most extraordinary things that we do know about him is that God chose him to deliver the prophecy of the second coming of Christ. Today we talk about the fact that one day Christ will come back and what exactly that means for us. Here's the thing we need to know. And this is going to maybe be an obvious statement for a lot of us, but before we see him again, before we see Christ again, things are going to get a lot worse. Now I'm going to just talk about Revelations chapter 6 and chapter 7. If you want to turn there in your Bibles or in the Bible app, which you can follow a live event through. Having said that, Revelation 6 and 7 is not there. It's a whole lot of info, so I'm kind of paraphrasing. So stick with me. If you want to read it as I talk, feel free. Having said that, Revelation 6 and 7 talks about a number of things. The first thing it speaks of is the seven seals. Now, the first four seals that it speaks of are often called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Everybody heard that statement before? I'm pretty sure there's, Dave, you would know this. Was there a band named that? Because if not, if not, there should be. Like if you don't have a band and you want to start a band, you need a name, four horsemen of the apocalypse. Aiden, you're my nephew. You have a lot of responsibility in this. I'm going to need you to start a band and name it that. But there's these four horsemen, right? Now, the first one... 
The first horseman is sent to the earth to conquer. He is sent to the earth to conquer. We're told that the second horseman was sent to the earth to remove peace so that people would slaughter one another. The third horseman was sent to bring famine. And finally, there's a fourth, and he's referred to as Hades. And he was sent to bring death by plague, sword, and the beast of the earth. Doesn't sound so good. Then there's a fifth horseman. Now, the fifth horseman represents all of those that have been martyred for their faith. It's both a reminder that many will die on the behalf of the gospel, but also a reminder that God will not forget those who have died. Now, I may be breaking news for some of you this morning. Some of you will know this. But over in Sri Lanka this morning, as worshipers gathered to celebrate Easter, there was a terrorist attack. And this morning, 207 people lost their lives celebrating Easter. A joyous, what's supposed to be a joyous occasion for us, celebrating the fact that Christ had been resurrected from death, was turned into a horrible nightmare for way more than 207 people. But 207 people lost their lives this morning because of their belief in the gospel, because of their belief in who God is, and because of their want and desire to meet together to celebrate the fact that Christ has been resurrected. And while Christ is coming back again, we know that Christ has already been resurrected and that he is alive still to this day. And because that's the case, those 207 individuals, even though they lost their lives, as they celebrate Easter, the day that celebrates the resurrection of Christ, that means that we can have life, those 207 individuals will live again with God in heaven. And the fifth seal goes to represent those that have been martyred for their faith. Now there's a sixth seal, and the sixth seal, uh, sixth seal, say that five times fast, shows that the cosmic destruction of the earth uh, that we're surely going to face. Now it talks about some really heavy stuff. It says that the sun is going to cease to shine, the earth will tremble, that no one will be safe. And so there's some serious destruction that is coming our way, and, and all of us are going to have to experience that. The world, as we know it, is getting worse every day. Then finally, there's a seventh seal, and the seventh seal is multifaceted. It talks about seven trumpets, and each trumpet, each time a trumpet blows, it talks about a new just hardship that's going to face the earth. There's plagues and famine and death, and then there's seven bowls of judgment that are poured out for all of the sin that has come in the world. Now, things are going to get crazy. Things are going to get crazy. And for a lot of us, we can already see how some of these changes are being made. A lot of this is metaphorical, and, and we see the changes in our world. When I was a teenager, we always used to hear from adults, and things are so much worse today than they were back in my day. And you'd kind of roll your eyes at it, like, okay, we're awful, right? But here's the thing. Now, I teach 7th and 8th grade science at a middle school with middle schoolers that are 7th and 8th graders. <laughs> and let me tell you, the world is so much worse than it was back in my day. <laughs> like, it's bad. And it's getting worse all the time. All the time. You see parents that aren't parents and kids who are having to raise themselves and kids that don't know how to respect an adult because they've never had an adult in their life that deserves respect. And they, there's just so much wrong with the world. And every day we see new tragedies like 207 people being killed for their faith or mass shootings happening in our schools. We see famines and hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and just destruction everywhere we look. And it seems like we hear about these things more and more each day all the time. 
And honestly, that should surprise no one because it's exactly what Scripture tells us is going to happen before God comes back. Now, I'm not going to sit up here today and tell you I know when God's coming back. I don't. And every time I hear somebody predict a date, I laugh at it because Scripture tells us that no one knows. Only God knows. So like somebody predicts a date and I'm sitting there thinking, well, we know it's not that day. Right? Like that's the one thing we do know. It is not going to be September 42nd, 2072. It's not a real day in case you're wondering. Right? But I will tell you this. Do I think that we are closer to God coming back today than we were 60 years ago? Yes, I do. I think that's an obvious statement. I think that we can all agree with that. Each day we live on this earth, all the sin that piles up time after time, act after act, we are getting closer to seeing the returning of our King, Jesus Christ. Now, these events that we've talked about, they represent despair, the seals. They represent the death and despair that comes in this world. But there is hope. There is hope, and that hope is in Jesus. That hope is in Jesus. And, and in the midst of all that we face, in the midst of all the sin, and in the midst of all the destruction, and in the midst of death, we know that there can be life. Why? Because Christ was resurrected. Because Christ was resurrected. And he will come back again. And there will be things that we see that astound us, and there will be things that we see that take our breath away and there will be things that we see that break our hearts but in the end we must know that Christ is victorious and today we celebrate that victory we celebrate the fact that Christ was victorious 1 Corinthians 15 20 through 22 says but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for since death came through a man the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Second thing, Christ is coming back. But this time, it's exactly how the disciples had pictured it. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. It says, I saw standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh... He has this name written. Here's the thing. The first time Christ came, Christ came as the sacrificial lamb. He came to die for you. He came so that you might live, that you might choose life. But when Christ comes back again, this time he comes as victor. And he comes on white horse. And he comes with sword, ready to cut down the enemy. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the alpha and the omega. He is he was, and he will be. And this day, when he comes back, he will do so in victory. He will do so in victory. They took his life, but they could not keep it. They took his life, and they could not keep it. And today I say to you that if you are in Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, this world can take your life, but it cannot keep it. It can take your life, but it cannot keep it. And there is hope for an eternity that is better than anything that we have ever imagined. 
And that hope is here because Christ was resurrected. Because Christ chose life. And when he comes back again, he's coming to bring us to that victory. He's coming to give us a new body and a new world that we cannot possibly imagine. Here's the thing. This is all formality. Listen to me on this. The fact that Christ is going to do this at the end of time, it's all formality. It's not really a fight because Christ has won. Christ has won. The victory really has never been in question. He paved the way for victory when he chose the cross and he sealed the win when he chose life. And now, the only thing that's happening is that the beast is waiting to be defeated. Satan is trying to gather up as much as he can before the time comes where he ultimately loses. And he knows that day is coming. And you should too. And that should drastically affect the way that you live your life. We should never live in fear. Why? Because we have victory. We should always fight for what's right. Why? Because we have victory. We should share the good news. Why? Because we have victory. People must know the Jesus that we serve. Because why? He gives victory. The beast will be defeated. And when he is defeated, Christ will make you new. Revelation 21, 5-8. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Listen to that again. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Just like we get new life, can you imagine what it would be like to die twice? The stakes are raised here. We have a lot that we are fighting for. We have a lot that we are living for. And no, it's not just to avoid hell, but hell is a cost. I got real country with the first hail. I don't know if we're having a thunderstorm. or. But there's a heavy cost. There's a really heavy cost. And our life matters. Your day-to-day matters. Your attitude matters. How you treat people matters. The fact that you can show people Jesus and bring them victory and give them life matters. The fact that your tongue can cut like a knife and that you can chase people away from church and that you can send people to hell based on your words matters. So will we choose life? Christ wins. At the end of the day, Christ wins. No matter how many bad things we face, no matter how bad things get, the victory is never in doubt. And when he returns, he will make all things new. And you can either be part of that or you will find yourself in a fiery lake of burning sulfur. And that's about as honest as I can say it. I don't know what else needs to be said there. Those of us who are able to finish our race, who are able to hold on to the hope until the last day, will inherit a new world. Those of us that don't will experience a second death. 1 Corinthians 
1555-58. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is in sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. How many of you out there would say, and I'm not asking for a raise of hands, just to answer this question yourself. How many of you would say at some point in your life, I have said the statement, I am sick of trying. I am sick of trying because I've been there. I will tell you that I have. I am sick of trying. It doesn't matter what I seem to do. Things just don't work out. It doesn't matter what I seem to do. Bad always seems to triumph. It just seems like I can't win. I came to the realization this week that when I get there in my life, because things are cyclical, there are days where I feel that way and days where I certainly don't. But when I get to that place in my life, what I forget is that the victory has already been won. That it's been won for me. That Christ chose a death that I cannot even imagine. And then after being completely mutilated, chose life. And because all that happened, because Christ was resurrected, And because Christ is alive today, I can experience life again. And all these things that I think I can't defeat, all these things that I think are bigger than myself, which by the way are, I'm not meant to handle by myself. Because the victory has been won for me. You know, every time I think about this, I think about like the third string quarterback on the Patriots. Right? I know this is, just stay with me. I think about the third string quarterback on the Patriots, right? Like, I don't know his name. I don't even think the Patriots carry a third quarterback anymore. Their third quarterback in, like, emergency cases is their fourth punter. I don't know. Okay? But every time I think about this guy who never sees the field, never plays, probably doesn't even have to worry about playing, like, Tom Brady breaks something and they'll just put something bionic in it or he'll smile at it and all will be healed. It's, I don't get him. He's weird. Right? But I think about this guy, and he goes out and he does all the hard work, and Tom Brady wins the ring, and everybody's getting a Super Bowl ring. And you know who still gets a Super Bowl ring? The third-string quarterback. And right now there's some guy that's, like, rocking six rings, and they're like, how'd you play? Didn't see the field. I was in the NFL for 12 years. I amassed 34 seconds of playing time. But look at my Super Bowl rings. Right? And one day, like, you're going to see all those on eBay because they ran out of money because they were fourth-string quarterback, and they just didn't do things well. But... God, we're that we're that third string quarterback. We're that third string quarterback. We're facing this toughest the toughest opposition in the world at that point. We're facing the best possible team that we could face to defeat us. And all we kind of have to do is sit back and the victory is won for us. Because Jesus steps in and says, Hey, I'll take it. You go sit down. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Like, I can't sit back and call one of my students up and be like, you teach today. I mean, I guess I could, but let's be honest, I'd be a terrible teacher and not a teacher very long. But I can't do that and then be like, hey, best teacher ever. (laughs) 
It just, it doesn't work anywhere else. But with Jesus, it does. The victory is won. The battle is a formality. And if you put your faith and you put your trust in him, then one day you will experience a brand new life and you will reap the reward that it may feel like I didn't really do anything to deserve this. But that's who Jesus is. That's who we serve today. And he is risen. And that is a wonderful thing. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the fact that you one day will come back. And God, that the victory has already been won. The battle has already been fought. And that quite frankly, it's all formality. And you will come like a knight on a white horse with a sword ready to defeat those who stand in opposition. And while day to day the things we face may bring a lot of unease, while they may even eventually cost us our lives, you won that victory. And you will come back to bring us all to a new reality that we cannot even imagine. God, I pray that each and every person that is here today knows you. I pray today that each and every person here has a real relationship with you. Because I can't imagine what it would be like to die a second death. To be here today and to be told that that love exists, but not seek it out and not accept the gift. I pray, God, that you allow us to be people who are proud of the fact that we are daughters and sons of Christ. I pray that you give us the boldness to live every day in our faith, to not take anything for granted and to be just a walking, living, breathing example of who it is that you are. God, I pray for the families of the 207 who were in Sri Lanka this morning who lost their lives because they decided to gather and worship you and to celebrate the fact that you have brought them life. Be with their families, be with that country. Lord, help people to find solace knowing that they all had an opportunity to be with you today in heaven. We ask for all these things in your son's name. Amen.